Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And hi there, listener. It's time for Left After Breakfast here on 3CR. 3CR, your only radio left. Susanna Duffy here with you this morning. Joined, of course, as always, by the resident historian, his and her historian, our historian, Glenn. Good morning, Glenn. Hello, Susanna, and good day, listeners. Yeah, I've been thinking, the last week or so, we've just gone through the... The recognition of the 800th anniversary of the original signing of the Magna Carta. And my mind went back to the, well, the 13th century England, and I um, did a bit of a skimming around. And I looked at, I found an article by Barry York. Barry York wrote, works at the Museum of Australian Democracy, and he wrote an article called Simon de Montfort and the 750th anniversary of the first parliament. Yeah. Who was Simon de Montfort? When was the first parliament? This and more will be revealed, my dear. Well, yeah, it's just a lot of people. I know it depends what you were, depends what you learned in school, isn't it? Well, I didn't learn this stuff at school. I mean, it's Barry York's writing about you know the, the, the how would you word it? The I suppose the birthplace of democracy in English speaking well, world. Taught me that it was not the birthplace of democracy. No, in in, in English speaking world, not and, in the world, in the English speaking world. That's correct. And the nuns taught me that it was not the birth the birthplace of democracy in the English speaking mm. world. There was a bit of nice agreement signed between some very rich and powerful men mm-hmm. all about cur- curtailing the powers of the most rich and powerful of all of the them. The king. The king. And it was the barons and great men of the yes. land who wanted to rope in and reign in the king. Yes. It really had nothing to do with you and I, listen, or you and I, Glenn, or our antecedents. And how are your antecedents today? Quite well. Are they still there? Good, of course, they are. With my, I'm, I'm proud of my forebears, as, of course, everyone must be. You'd be silly if you weren't. But, yes, um, they weren't really no, men at no. much. There were some basic sort of freedoms written in, but they weren't for the peasants. No. Look, they but, weren't for 99% of the people. But again, in that context, at that time, it was called a revolutionary act. But the, the, the untrammeled power of the monarch was being slightly challenged, which is a big step in those days. And again, let's be very clear, democracy is not a concept born in England. The discussion was born in Greece. No, but again, we discussed like World War One a while ago. How you know? Oh yeah, we went to World War One to fight for democracy. No, in the outbreak of World War One in 1914, the most advanced democratic society in the world was the Kaiser's Germany, and again, democracy is a term which is bandied about often erroneously. But again, the first parliament, as we know in the English-speaking world, was established back in sixteen twelve sixty-five by sixteen twelve sixty-five. 750 years ago. Not 16, but 12. 12, 12 50 years after Magna Carta. And the, the parliament was... It took a while, didn't it? 50 mm. bloody years. Two full ge- ge- generations yeah. of thugs. Well, I can't... I, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to apologise for calling them thugs because they can't sue me. Anyway, uh, it was exceptional in those days. I mean, nowadays it's part of the court, but there was never a parliament in those days. And even as we said earlier, it was restricted. There was only certain people there. The new parliament had people from the, um, they were the common people, they were from the commons, they were the merchants, as well as the nobles. The, the rich merchants burgers. Were there. The burgers, correct. And it was the first, it was the beginning of the parliamentary system as we know it in Australia 
and English-speaking world. And it was led by a man called Simon de Montfort, who was the Earl of Leicester. He was a baron, and he was no poor man at all. He was a rich man. But he felt like other barons, um, you know, the king brings us together twice a year to raise taxes. Shouldn't we have a say in what happens in our land? Shouldn't we say, hey, Mr. King Henry, there's more to life and just your opinions? And, um, yeah, it was a squabble amongst the ruling class. Yeah, and don't tax us. Yeah, well, tax you, someone else. You can tax us as long as we have a say in it, you know. It was like the, um, what did the Yanks call it in 1776? Taxation without representation. Yeah. So the wealthy British wanted they wanted their two bobs worth. You, you're sort of a king, you're the king, but you're the king, and we're close to you, so we can have a bit of a say too. And there was debates about it because, um, as I saw, we had there was issues in the great councils in the 12th century, which came to a head in 1215 when uh, King John had an uprising by the barons. They forced him to um to establish the, the, the initial Magna Carta. And this was a, a back-and-forth process. Now, the Magna Carta was revised in 1225. There was a way... The barons were rebelled. The big a- a- agreement. The big agreement. The barons rebelled for second Magna Carta, and they wanted to change the terms of the Magna Carta. The uh, big agreement, Mark Two. Mark Two. that's um, right. They uh, didn't bother making addendums or anything. No. And there was further clash over the Magna Carta. There was a, another Baron's War from 1263 to 1267. So for a long time after the original Magna Carta was signed, there was conflict amongst the British ruling class. And um, and they it, were fighting each other? They were. And Which means they we were, we were dying fighting. On their they weren't fighting. Their bloody peasants were dragged We out. were dying on their behalves. Look, as Karl Marx said hundreds of years later, capitalists are a band of hungry brothers. And so are the nobles. They, they've got their power. They want more power. But de Montfort, you know, he, he was quite radical in the context. He wanted to say, okay, yeah, you're the king, but you can't have all the power on your own. Give us some power, please. And not just please, we'll challenge you. And the barons fought the king. And um, when up in 1267, the king finally said, okay, I'll have a parliament which meets more often. And it won't just be about, you know, taxes. You can have some input in the process. And for those days, it was unheard of. It was like the beginning of democracy in the English-speaking world. Sure was limited. Sure was very, very basic, but it was a start. Well, I would have mm-hmm. upset myself. It's the beginning, it was the beginning of committees. Which is democracy really. in those ways. But it's, it's basically, it's changing the power, the untrammeled power of the king to a few more rich by having sown it. And as I said, uh, well, as Barry York says, Montfort was radical in many ways. He wanted the barons to select the king's ministers and the king to follow the barons' advice. And we saw England by the late 1250s. England was a mess. There was a huge famine in England. Yet Henry III, who was the king, yeah, well, he the, wanted... Yeah, mm, he wanted to, He said, look, I don't care about the famine. I don't care about the crops dying. People dying. I want to invade Sicily. I want to raise the taxes to invade Sicily. And uh, Montfort and the barons said, no, no, let's fix our mess at home. Let's fix our crops. Let's fix the famine affecting our peasants. Why raise more money to invade Sicily? You can't fix your own backyard. Why invade someone else? And in 1258, Henry III was convinced, uh, was uh, pressured into accepting the demands of the barons. And these barons' demands were called the Provisions of Oxford. And these provisions are regarded as the first written constitution of England. And they sought a government directed by the king and a council of 15 barons, with the parliament meeting three times a year. And so the parliament meeting three times a year might not sound like much, but until then the parliament met when the king chose, and the king chose only to meet when he wanted taxes raised. So we've gone from just taxes to other issues being discussed. And um, 
Yeah, yeah. But like the Magna Carta years earlier, the king abrogated his agreement. He changed his mind. And the Pope supported the king also, as you do in those days. Well, they always did, I suppose, yes. And it was a second baron's war, and it led to the Battle of Luz in 1264, when the barons, the rebellious barons, captured the king and his son Edward. And as a result of his capture, there was further... Which uh, Edward was that? The son of um, Henry III. So I don't know, so Edward, I don't don't know, know which was. Edward it was. I know it's Henry, but Barry hasn't said which Edward it was, but he was the son of Ed, Henry III. And it's led to um, a new parliament on the 14th of December, 1864. And this time they bypassed the king. And on January 20, 1865, just on 750 years ago, a more representative English parliament met. There's two knights from Edgeshire, two burghers from each town and city. And Monfort declared he wanted every part of England represented, not just the barons and clergy. And the towns and the cities represented new class forces who wanted greater freedom. And this began the realm of the commons. So it wasn't a common person, it wasn't a peasant and a serf, but it was the, you know, the local burghers, the merchants. So we're going away from the king alone to the king and the barons to the newly developing bourgeoisie, the, the embryonic thing of the bourgeoisie. And it was radical for those days. It was a huge step ahead for those days. But Monfort had gone too far for all of his fellow barons. They decided, no, no, he's, uh, he's, we can't have burghers here, we can't have merchants. It has to be the barons and the royalty. And at the Battle of Hughes Home in 1865, Monfort was killed and was dismembered, his head put on a spike. After that, the king convened another parliament, but uh, things wouldn't be the same again. England had now had a parliament of lords and commons, and there was far greater representation amongst English people. In 1295, the model parliament included reps from all the towns and cities, and the Magna Carta became a statute for the first time in 1297. The House of Commons met separately in 1341, and its power was extended over centuries and became the People's House. So, as Barry York was saying, parliaments in the English-speaking world owe much to the French-born Baron Simon de Montfort, who dared to rebel. So that's a bit of a... You see, so York was calling him French-born Baron. He was yeah. French. He couldn't even speak English when he arrived. Probably not. Well, he, he couldn't. He became the Earl of Leicester. And he was born in see, France. I, I, I believe he married the king's sister. Quite possibly. Because I mean, had, this is, Leicester's a very powerful position to... Was a whole, you know, a big baroncy, a big earldom. Earldom? Fiefdom? No, no. no earldom. No, it just, well, whatever it, whatever it bloody was. Well, as I said, Simon you, de... If you know what it is, listener, you can tell me, but I know, you know, that Simon de Montfort, or Montfort, or the various ways mm. his names were, was um, anti-royalist, really, but he, he, he was, was a French... He was a wealthy man himself. He was a baron. He's a, he was a noble. Absolutely. As I said, I do believe, I think he was married, but of course, you mentioned Henry's son... Edward, Edward. and doesn't Ed, say which one. It was Edward One, Edward Uno, Malleus Scotorum, the Hammer of the Scots, Edward Longshanks. Okay, the one that they sent him homewards to think again. They what? Sorry, they did what? They sent him homewards to think again. Yes, you don't know that. No, that, I, that I thing don't I, know much I'm of the sure, family idea. I'm sure that the listener knows that thing. Um, you know, how the Scotsman and stood against him, proud Edward's army, and sent him homewards to think again. 
Okay, because there's a long history of English invading Scotland. Yeah, but this is that was Edward's a pity nothing happened. Pity he didn't die of croup or something that because they didn't have didn't have any vaccine in those days. He could easily have no. died of whooping cough like some children are doing now that they haven't been immunized you know, immunized against it. But there yeah, he was. That was called the Hammer of the Scots. Oh, what okay. a bastard of a man! Oh look, the royal family are full of bastards. This was <laughs> oh, bastards royal family. Ah. Oh. He, I think he organised for Simon de Montfort's, Montfort's body to be mutilated. Well, he was mutilated. He then put on a spike. Those that, people's bodies were mutilated. But that's that's British justice. That's the British justice we hear about, my dear. And again, we keep hearing you know, how in Australia, we, you know, we, we're from the Anglo system, you know, the Anglo system democracy. It's not as simple as that, you know. We need to challenge these ideas. Democracy wasn't a concept by, brought about by English-speaking people. It was achieved by aspects of English-speaking people, but the English did not create, they did not own democracy. The English were amongst the most barbaric people in the world for a lot of people, well, periods of time. Well, it didn't really Like, what again, he said, um, British, was he saying Western civilization? It would be a good idea. It would be a good and idea. And he mainly met the British. That was his main foe, was the British. You know? And de Montfort, he was, he was a rebel in those days. And, 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 you know, in his but, own rich way. He was in his own rich way. But like Malcolm Turnbull might be a rebel in a rich way. Well, I was... My nan- I'm not for one minute inferring that Malcolm Turnbull would rush out there and start a revolution against uh, who, that person sitting in Canberra, against the Prime Minister. Would it? No, of course not. And I'm not, I'm not advocating such a thing, listener. My nan always Still. told us that we were descendants of Lord Edward Fitzgerald, who was one of the leaders of a 79 out uprising in Ireland. And, um, you know, he was a nobleman. He led the uprising. Who apparently, well, we're descendants apparently. I'm not sure if it's true, but that's what my name's story wasn't. Who was I to argue my name when I was a kid? Who's his sentence, what? Your, we, your, I, your one, your, my family your had descent. a sentence from Lord Edward Fitzgerald, who was an Irish nobleman. Oh, who Edward led, Fitzgerald, who led which in, is not, I, I thought you were going to say Simon de Montfort. No, God, no, Lord Edward Fitzgerald. And the problem is, he was a Protestant, and we're Catholic, so I'm a bit perplexed by that. Anyway, it's, Doesn't who matter, I? the generations change. But, you don't know do, what people change. God, my family's changed so much in the last 50 years. I've got to have some very staunch pro- pro- Protestants in my um Family there. Oh, so have I. I've got, a lot of, I've got a lot of strange things in my family. Well, I'm not but saying it's strange. It's just people in those days believed in some sort of, you know, sort of spiritual world. Oh, they still a, do. Yeah, but they, they saw it as reality. They still these, do. And they were of the Protestant line and some were of the Catholic persuasion. So it's all about the same bloody God. Well, There's no uh, difference there. And, and that that's what Edward I did too, apart from his yeah. absolutely brutal treatment of the Scots. What did he do, my dear? Which is still sort of gasped at today and in an Age of brutality, it was thought to be the most brutal of uh, things which he did against the Scots. He also expelled all the Jews. They, they were known as the King's Jews and, mm. um, because they were under his pr- pr- protection. They were allowed to live and they'd been there for 700 years or so, quite happily living in England and helping Edward and other kings build their beautiful buildings, buy more, get the wheat settled around, you know, that, that they were very good at that. But, of course, Edward kicked them all out and kept their um, piggybacks, which was something that seems to happen. I don't, the poor old Jews, Jews have been a target of persecution for so long. Yeah. And but even nowadays, when I saw that horrible film, The Passion of the Christ, that oh. Mel Gibson, while ago I went and saw it, and again, the, the poor old Jewish people are portrayed as the, the murderers of Christ. Again, but Christ, it's interesting. I was watching stuff last week, and um, long story, and um, 
Should so, really go through that again, or the Jews I killed did, Christ. I did, I did. So it wasn't the Roman soldiers. Oh, they, they were present, but the Jews were the killers. Apparently, Mel Gibson. I mean, Mel Gibson, please, Mel goodness Gibson's me, insane, isn't he? <laughs> he's not a well man. He's not a well man. I think, but I think we can say he's definitely, you know. Chipped over the edge. He's definitely gone troppo. But yeah, I was watching a show last week on the TV, and there was he a had such there was eyes. Listen, look, I remember Mel well there from was, many years ago. There was a discussion about uh, contemporary historians around the time of his Jesus bloke, and none of these contemporary historians mentioned Jesus in their works. No, because I didn't no. mention. It. Did he exist? Was he real? Like, please, no, don't be silly. <laughs> I'm posing the question, my dear. This Jesus bloke, why, was, why did none of his contemporaries mention him? Because there was no such person. Correct. But the question is, why did these people who believe in this... Flying spaghetti monster. Yes. Uh, why did they pick on a particular person? Well, because there wasn't a person there, it's easy. Look, it doesn't matter. It was all written. I've told you before, listener. It's just for a sheer quirk of fate and to keep uh, an emperor in his seat of power was the fact that we are... The most common religion today amongst people like myself of Europe, you know, Western European origin, um, that we follow Christianity, not Mithraism, because at least it could have still been Mithra. Absolutely. Well, Mithra has the same symbols, you know, the, the birth, the, yes. the virgin birth, and the, the three stars in yeah, the sky, story. and the equinox. I mean, there's a whole lot of religious mythology around those same symbols, you know, virgin births, equinox, but three stars aligned in the sky. It's not a, a not the angel simply, of the Lord visiting hmm. a, a a young woman. The twelve um, disciples of a twelve brothers of a twelve supporters. Yes, it's, well, it's all it's been, it's been paraphrased over and over. Yes, that's that's fine. But we could still be in that instead of um, if if um, if Emperor Constantine hadn't suddenly realised that there was a nasty plot going on amongst his Praetorian guard. But anyhow, we are here now, stuck with this bloody. The same God, it's the same one in the three major world religions. Yeah. Mm. The same one. But no one's met him. Well, would you want to? Does he exist? No, but I mean, this is... <laughs> but you, 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 like, look, wouldn't you like to say, I've got half hour for you for a chat, you know. Uh, you've created the world. Why did you create this? Why did you destroy this? Why did you kill her? Why did you let him believe? Like, all those questions need to be asked you, God person. If you wanted to, if, if there were such a strange and mythical creature as one of the one of the gods to left, like this god person, hmm. and you said, "Why would you do this on the world?" This um, god person would probably say, "Who the hell are you, and what are you talking about?" I'm I one of your creations. I have more things to do than worry about some insignificant speck of dust out there at the end of the bloody solar system. That tiny little. Well, who the hell are you? Piss off and get out of my space. I mean, another. Come on, you don't. If there is such a god, he would have no idea. This is what gets me about people who um, believe in their, fairy tales. Their, their, who believe in fairy tales, that they think this all encompassing, all knowing god actually knows them and that they can <laughs> bloody communicate with this god, that he would know. This god is always there. He SMSs them. Yeah, but, but that he would know this. this this parasite on this, as I said, this, this speck. insignificant speck miles away from anywhere on the out, right on the outside of the galaxy mm. is this tiny little dying sun. And on the third planet around that tiny little dying sun, one, in, one scrap, one iota, one little parasite that this all infinite, that this intelligence that created the universe, ho, ho, would know, hum, hum. would know that, that particular parasite, for heaven's sake. 
I think not, my dear. But again, we've got to go back. I just think you about... You have to have faith. That's the answer, isn't it? You have oh, to have faith. Rubbish. Rubbish and gibberish. Well, like, you mentioned, oh, no. you mentioned Mithra. What had Horsus, who was the Egyptian symbol too, of the, you know, the virgin birth... Horus. Horus. So the virgin birth, you know, with three stars, the line, you know, the 12 supporters. I mean, well, well, they're good stories. I mean, they're I good stories. change them when you... Look, 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 when you sit down and decide to write up your own little mythology... Just hang on to those same wonderful stories and symbols. And it's it works. Perfect. It works. Yes. Mr. Murdoch uses it too. He has little There's symbols and stories. Archetypes. <laughs> Look at the Murdoch papers. They've mastered it too. It's a modern version of mythology. It's just lies. Well, I, I call it mythology. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit more, a bit more subtle than you, my dear. No, they're just straight out lies. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Now, on a more positive note, I will tell you the truth. You have a positive thing to say. Thank heavens, here on Three CR, your only radio left. 3CR, you hear something positive and so be ready. Are you listening? We did very well last Friday, oh. I believe, on our radio show, the Radiothon. We made a fair, we made a four-figure sum. So I'm very proud of those listeners who rang in. So I will say, in the words of Glenn, thank you. Well, thank you very much, listener. Yes, it was a four-figure sum towards our four-figure total. It wasn't quite, the sum didn't quite reach the total, but it doesn't matter. We thank you, and of course we remind you, if you made a pledge, don't forget to make them up. If you, and don't forget, 3CR is tax deductible now. Thank you very much. And you mm. can claim this as a gift to 3CR. Absolutely. Uh, unless you're worried about ACO. But don't be. They've given us up now. They've sicked it out of us. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. No, they've found much, Moses. No, they've found much, much better, much better fields, fresh fields Which one? and pastures new. The grass is always greener on who's the other the, side. Who's the minister in charge of Asus? It's a secret. So I tell you what, you know, there's some real clowns in this current federal parliament, but one of the biggest clowns is the man who the AMA voted the worst ever health minister who's now the Minister of Immigration, Peter Dutton. Talk about a man who looks like an undertaker and probably has the, has the, has the behaviour of a corpse in some ways. And good, dear he's Meglin, horrendous, my dear. Dear Meglin, there are some very pleasant and jovial undertakers out there in the world. I'm not and I'm, I'm worried that they're going to be on that phone ringing up and complaining. And look, two phone calls just came up. Okay, then, you can that? write to me at the dead letter office. No, two of them. That's not funny either, Glenn. <laughs> I was dying to say that. No more. <laughs> no more vulgar jokes and puns about undertakers. Of a Dutton, that's horrible. Saying that Peter Dutton's got the face of an undertaker. That's a terrible insult As to I undertakers. Said, the, the AMA voted him the worst ever health minister. And the AMA is always a war for the health ministers. And he'd be the worst in my opinion. Like, what? He's just a very unpleasant person. You know, you know that bishop person who sits Oh, which in, one? Please. Julie. No, that one. Julie, who who oversaw the um, asbestos cases. Uh, No, not uh, Julie Bishop, the one who made sure that people claiming for asbestos would get for years and years and years. I meant the other one, the the one who sadly looks like a shrew, sits there. The one of the pearls and the North Sydney, North Shore hairstyles. She was the one who once referred to the AMA as that radical left-wing union. (laughs) The AMA, of all things. Well... Shows you what kind of world she lives in. Well, it does. Well, again, it worked for her. I tell you how I do have a lot of time for, and in some ways, it, this person is more radical than Simon de Montfort, is Gillian Trigg. 
Because goodness me, good on her. She has been such a good conscience for thinking people. And that's why she's earned the enmity and the ire of people like Dutton and Bishop Abbott. So Gillian Trigg, good on you. Because millions of Australians support you, Gillian, for your hard work. We, we respect... And we treasure someone who's honest and shows compassion. And she wrote a great article last week. She respects. Look, we the respect Carter. the yes. office that 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 you hold, and she respects the office that she holds. Did you see her on TV last week? No, I can't watch. I can't, look, I can't watch Q and A because I get very aggravated on Q and A. When I see filth in there like your hockeys and your bishops, I crack it, and I don't enjoy seeing those people. I was saying we'll That's my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, that was your soapbox. Uh, don't forget the bag man won't be here in five minutes' time. It will, he, will, he will be instead represented by an incredible representative. Who uh, is? Well, that will be... Back, mystery person? Back by, pop, by popular demand from last week, the mystery person, yes. Melody? But, but we'll be... But Harmony? Large, but you'll be finding out soon. At half past ten. Then what was I going to see now? You talked about Julie Bishop and Brian Bishop and how yeah, well I, was saying, they are. I saw her last week on television. But last night I saw a good one too with Fred Nile. Oh, oh God, Fred Nile! Yeah, I saw the ads for it. I thought, no, no, there's oh. limits. There's limits. Yeah. Well, do you remember Max Gillies did a skit back in the early eighties? He had a parody of Fred Nile, the Reverend Roland Colin. Oh my. <laughs> The, um, I won't discuss in any way so the imagery Max Gillies created back in the early 80s, but uh, Fred Nahum, please, he's still alive, is he? He's um, I, I, physically I alive, know. anyway. I, I'm not sure. Sorry, listen, I just had to make sure that uh, everything on the panel was working, because after your fabulous pledges of last week during the Radiothon, we will, of course, be able to have everything working here. I look forward to the day when not one button or knob falls off the panel while I'm trying to drive it here. But it's chicanery, my dear. Chicanery. Yes, that's the word. I about, I'm, 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 I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but I'm just checking that was the word that you said. Uh, I need a word a day, so chicanery or chicanery can be my words. It was hubris yesterday, so... A word a day keeps the um, dictionary really? away. Yeah, it's, and I'm babbling, so it's probably time for me to keeps frog and toad. Keeps the dictionary away, but I tell you what, an apple a day is very good for you. And there's a lot of, I've, I was surprisingly saw some surprisingly modern research apples. on the effects of apples, and they've come up with this amazing idea. These these scientists in UK and USA have come up with this staggering theory that if you have just one apple a day. You can actually cut back your medical visits. And I thought, I'm sure I've heard this before. I heard that in the 60s. I've heard it before. I was in short pants. I'm sure I heard it before you heard about it. Maybe in the, in the 50s. 60s. Maybe I think I heard it in the very early 50s. Probably, perhaps, possibly earlier. No but, comment. But, you know, but Trump on your upper day and it keeps down. All those things you don't have to, apparently, you can, you won't end up taking all these drugs, which we may not be able to afford anymore. Not when the TPP gets when through. When the TPP gets through and we lose our PBS. We took PBS. Yeah, but PBS has been targeted no, for a long time. No, the health, the health. The pharmaceutical benefit scheme. The pharmaceutical scheme. benefit scheme, not the uh, radio station. No, I'm doing the pharmaceutical benefit scheme, which allows Australians decent priced access to drugs. Anyway, probably time for me to go. Um, yes, oh, possibly. Yes. Well, Maybe, I'm not possibly sure. Not. I'm not sure. It could be. Maybe it's not listeners. Yes, All it is. Yes, it reveal. is. Right. Okay. I just wanted to check All the top. shall be revealed. The what clock m- is working. What m-
and you have just experienced, apart from hearing the lovely Mary Black, what Cummer used to refer to as a pregnant pause. I'm never sure what he meant, but it's a good one. But anyhow, here we are, left after breakfast, and we're back here with um, not the, the mystery guest, it's someone whose initials start with Irene Bolger. Good morning, Irene. Good morning. And how are you this week? Have you recovered from at the Radiothon last week? Yes, it's taken me all week, but uh, <laughs> not that I contributed as much as you did in, in terms of uh, running it, but uh, it was good being on here, actually. Yes, it's been a while since you've been yakking away on radio, hasn't it? It's been a long time. Been yes. a long time. Yes. What, what, we, what we normally have at this, um, this time of the morning, I read, oh, is, sorry, listen, I just bent my, 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 my fingernail back on the panel. And well, I'm a nurse, so well, you well, need help. Right. Good. Well, I'm in safe hands. Good. <laughs> or was. <laughs> safe hands. This is normally when you hear the bag man at this stage. The bag man is still recovering from his last round of stress caused, stress-induced, or whatever, whatever I mean. His last slight illness. He's still recovering, lying on the beach somewhere in Greece. Still in Harnia, I think, but... Good on him. He'll be sorry that he didn't take my advice and zap over in a little boat over arm to Kefalos, where I said I have a friend there who tells me that the migrant boats arrive there. Ah, yes. And he missed out. Mm. He didn't go. He didn't go. No, they've been on Santorini, I think. I, I keep getting this. Yes. Facebook, they can keep sending these photos of them sitting in the sun, eating and drinking. Eating and drinking, driving that's right. Or actually, yes, of course, they are, they are in um, uh, Santorini. They're in the volcano. Well, uh, they're in, in the volcano. Well, that's just another. <laughs> it's like a lagoon, isn't it? Yes. That's the old, yeah. That was when that volcano blew up there around Santorini. That's when the myth of Atlantis and the myth of the flood and all those stories oh, that, yes. came from came from that mm. terrible eruption. Yes, well, but, I'm not sure whether I can actually fill his shoes. You wouldn't want to fill my, his shoes. No, that's true. I wouldn't actually. Heaven's no. sake. <laughs> no, but I yes, but we're hoping you'll be coming in even when the bag man returns. Well, if he allows me to, I'd love to. If he but, allows you to. Yes. Well, he's made it pretty plain on Facebook that... Uh, well, he did tell you not to give up your day job, didn't he? Yes, yes. I so I got the message there. But um, given that I've looked after the, his and Anne's doggy so well, he might let me poke my head in every now and again. Yes. Well, what, what I was what we normally what I normally do about now, if I could ever re- re- remember to do it, is a roundup of what's happened during the week. <clears throat> you were upset about something, but I'm not sure. I, I can't remember now what you were. I'm upset about uh, quite hot under the collar about something, but I forget what it was. I'm very hot under the collar about a couple of things. I'm I'm hot under the collar about uh, certain unions which I may not name or I could name if people wanted me to. Uh, uh, right-wing unions that have been uh, uh, carrying out certain practices for quite a long time, which means that uh, the ALP um, has been dominated by the right since 1979. Uh, this is the first time this, the next uh, uh, ALP conf- um, national conference will be the first time since 1979 that the right-wing haven't had the numbers there. That'll make a big difference, hopefully, to what sort of um, policies go through. Yes, that, that will be an interesting um, mm. sort of conference. Then. But I tell you what, Eileen, I'm, Eileen, 
Irene, I'm an, an old lady. Yes, listen, I have to admit it, I am an old lady. And I can remember going to sort of branch meetings of my local ALP and what you sort of worked at at your branch meetings that they sort of went further up the line. They ended up on the table at the conference. That doesn't seem to happen anymore. No, no, I, I don't think it does. Um, I mean, we used to do that too in my early days. I mean, I haven't been a part of the ALP since the strike. I don't think I was very welcome there anymore. Uh, so <laughs> my membership lapsed. But in the early days, uh, in the 70s, I can remember, yes, um, things used to go upwards and were dealt with properly, but I don't yes. think any of that happens anymore. I think it's. Uh, I think there needs to be a bit of a revision of the ALP. Oh, that, that's a nice That's a nice. That's a nice understatement. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of um, the 60s, really, and when I was young. Well, see, I had a choice, listener, when I was a kid, when I was just in that awkward stage of adolescence and things that I should be going at, at to um, meet other young people other like-minded young people of course the ones who would be that my parents of whom my parents would approve well you know they, really? they watch well you know the, the young I had to join a young person a group and I looked around for a while and a number of them were put to me the only two that looked any worthwhile were one was um, the Catholic Bushwalking Club, and and the, the second one was the Young Labor as, as, as Association. Well, I went for the Young Labor Association. I, yes, I think that was a good. So move. I was what yes. fifteen. Yes, so, and then that was the start of my how I ended up, you know, being a Labor person by joining the YLA. But but maybe I should have stuck to the bushwalking. I might be healthier. Well, I'm not too sure. You never know what goes on up the bush That's, when the Bushwalking Club gets yes. up there. So I was uh, so as you know. So, so then I sort of grew into you know labour and yes, and really our meetings at the branches just they did go up as you said. I don't know what happened or when that happened or how that happened. We've ended up a bit like the Liberal Party. Oh no, that's not true. Look, when I was young, same with you too, Irene, and you too, listener. When you're in the Labour Party, you sat around and drank coffee and smoked cigarettes and discussed things of really deep, deep importance and urgency and most serious matters about the running of the country and indeed the future of the world. If you're one of the young Liberals, you spent your time painting your toenails and going to dances and having a good... So there was just a big social... Well, or that, that's what they did. trying to punch people in the head at universities. Or so. trying to punch yes. people in the head at <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that, that was what it was like back in um, yes. the days they've gone. So yes. it's interesting what will happen with this next ALP conference. Yes, well, I must say that I'm a little tiny bit disappointed in a couple of things about the Labor Party in more recent times. One is uh, the party voting with the Liberals to pass a pass legislation that will uh, treat whistleblowers as criminals. So if they happen to, doctor or nurse comes across from Manus Island or from, uh, uh, from what's the other place, sorry? Uh, Some other hellhole, the other hellhole <laughs> that we've put out that we're, where we jail children. Yes. Uh, uh, they won't, it's an interesting thing because uh, doctors and nurses are obliged to report any sorts of abuse or any, any uh, sex abuse, sexual abuse or anything like that. So how is that going to uh, measure up in terms of um, being charged as a whistleblower if you happen to come over here and tell everybody all the terrible things that are happening. So I'm very disappointed the Labor voted in favour of that. Um, and uh, I'll be very disappointed if they uh, don't do something about it at some point 
perhaps if and when they get back into government because I think they've made a big mistake. They, they do have to do something about refugees yes. totally. Yes. They uh, have to change what, what's happening totally. There was a, a survey recently um, compiled and the facts presented by uh, Red Cross who did a very large, it, it was a 12-month survey across Australians and they went through every sort of socio-economic group, every age, whatever, trying to get the balance between the bush and the town and everything and they came up with this, with these strange results that... 90% of people thought refugees were illegal. Yes. That's because they've been told that so often by the Liberals. Yes, that they really thought yes. that these people were, were illegal. They were not aware that everyone, every human being, has the right to be a refugee. Yes. And the second most amazing thing I found was about the same number believed that they, that there was a queue, an orderly queue. Yes, you could go yes. into an and say, I want to migrate to Australia. Yes. And you waited your turn in that queue. Mm. And in the meantime, you sat in your nice little house. Mm. Okay, might not be as flash as how some people have here and what we're used to, but it was a house, a roof over your head and safety and maybe a goat and some chooks and a couple of cabbages. Yes. Bunches of kale. God, I hate Oh, kale. don't even I'm mention. Sorry, I shouldn't mention. That, I've, that when ca- I've come back here, I've been astonished. That's <laughs> the appearance of a new healthy food that nobody's ever thought of before. Um, yeah, well, that whole thing astonishes me. And and what I was calling quinoa apparently is quinoa. Yeah, well. uh, that as well. It's going to save everybody's lives, apparently. It's a pity that we didn't eat it when we were younger then. Well, it is. I might have lived until I was older than I am we, now yes. or something. Yeah, we could be 150 or something. Yes, and right. who would want to be? <laughs> Well, the oats and the silver beets and the spinach were pretty much the same as... You know, the oh, well, I ate silver beet and spinach, so I'll from, live forever. From the backyard. Mm. Yes. Um, there was something else about the Labour Party. I'll think about it in a minute that's been annoying me. Um, well, a few things. Yeah, but, the main uh, thing about the, the treatment of refugees. The refugees. We're, we're going, and, they're going to have to do something. Well, it's, I don't think it's beyond uh, human intelligence to work out uh, an agreement with an Indonesia because I think Indonesia would be happy to have some sort of agreement where they're not having to deal with most of them uh, and also Malaysia where there could be some United Nations sponsored place that looks after them and then there'd be a, a, then they can be brought here um, in certain numbers like it was after the Vietnam War. I mean, yes. we just accepted uh, a lot of refugees from then, and they were coming over to in boats uh, to Indonesia and places like that, but then they were brought here in an orderly fashion. And I never thought I would praise Malcolm Fraser, but... It well, was... I wouldn't praise him for that. Well, he there, assisted that. He, but... That was at the time that he was in, his government was in power, that happened. Mm. But I also look at the type of refugee. Yes, they were well, fleeing from communist oppression. That's right, and that's why he was prepared to and that's why he them. was opening up and welcoming. Them. Yes, there was the horror yes. that they might actually, if 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 they didn't leave Vietnam, that they might have to work. Yes, and this fear of work drove them. Yes, to, but I, to hide their gold. And, exactly. Yeah, but I can't. I've got nothing against them, and I must say, listener, that I have a lovely grandson whose mother was a baby on one of those boats herself. So, I mean, I'm quite happy that that they yes. came across. Because well, there's they... my grandson. Good morning, oh. TT. <laughs> well, they also used to be attacked by pirates. 
Terrible things used to happen to them on the way over in their boats too because there were pirates who used to attack their boats and kill people and rape the women and take their goods and things like that they had to put up with as well. But I've spent a lot of time looking for this queue. Uh, I haven't found it yet. Uh, I don't think we'll find it in Iraq uh, and uh, Afghanistan. They've they've got big signs up, big posters. Mm. Well, in Afghanistan, have you seen the posters, listener? Huge big posters (laughs) up saying, don't come to Australia because we'll throw you in the creek, (laughs) or worse to that effect, with pictures of these people behind bars. Mm. So... That not, so, I mean, sort of not only is there no queue, there's active... Well, there's nowhere to queue up to. There's nowhere to queue up to. No. It's hard when the bombs are dropping on you to think, now, where's the office? Oh, it's three countries away. Exactly. We don't have a consul there, so oh, where do we go to now? And and then you've got to uh, make sure that you're not, you don't run into ISIS on the way and get your head chopped off. So uh, it's uh, not easy, is it? No. No. <laughs> Poor bloody bastards, brave people. Just yes. the kind of people we'd, we'd like to have in our country, There's the, the courage of them. Yes, exactly. And yeah. and ones that get here work very hard. It's like it's like the migration after the Second World War and the people who came here, they worked hard, they built themselves up, they're part of our society. They're, yes, they are now. Um, but they were looked down upon and called names. Wogs. Yeah, the hardest workers. Mm. <laughs> well, they did the work that's the... That the Western European men here didn't want to do. Exactly. Yes. They did all that and good luck to them. And I'm glad, one thing I'm glad of, listeners, that I'm, one thing I'm really pleased about them is the food. Food, they that's the thing, that and the coffee. Food. They brought us that stuff. Heaven's sake, I grew up apart from lamb. I mean, I'm, I'm a living testament to being fed lamb and full cream milk and full cream rich butter all my life from time of birth. And here I am. <laughs> yes. So, I've got good strong bones from all that milk. And I didn't have any bloody kale or kingmire either. No, me neither. And I'm not going to, I have no intentions of having any either. <laughs> yes, but I'm glad that they brought us their, their particular Oh, foods. I can remember. I lived in the country when they, because I was, I was born probably a little after you, but I was born in 1943. So, uh, and when we came to Victoria, I was in the country, and I can remember the first coffee machine in Yarram in South Gippsland. Can you really? Yes, uh, I went to work in the cafe there, and uh, and I was uh, shocked to find that they were making um, some sort of soup with uh, fish heads in it and things like that, which we never ever saw. Yeah. What we saw was um, totally overcooked lamb chops that were cooked within an inch of their lives, plus boiled vegetables that were boiled. boiled oh, those boiled <laughs> vegetables. Then they tipped the water down the sink. Yes. Oh. Yes. And um, and cabbage that was boiled forever, that sort of stuff, yes. No, no, uh, we didn't have anything like chilli or spices. There was salt and pepper, but that was about it. Mm. Well, so thank you very much, thank migrants. Thank you, migrants. Well, <laughs> Well, it's their grandchildren. Well, now. that's right. Yes, and uh, and it, but even now, I'm I'm staying, looking after Daisy the dog for Dennis and Anne, uh, up that end of Coburg. Um, there's lots and lots now of Lebanese and uh, other and Arab restaurants up there. Uh, some terrific people working. I found my favourite place to go up there and have coffee and is um, so we've got that now. Well, we've always ha- we've had it for a long time, but uh, there's certainly a place now we can go to, and there's a lot of that. There are a couple of um, clothing stores for women in Sydney Road. Well, one's in Coburg, one's in Brunswick. I've seen them where they sell 
exotic clothing. I have seen I have seen that. Yes, uh, there's a couple up my up the end near Bell Street that are, have quite exotic stuff in the windows. <coughs> And uh, and there's one place that's a little bit cheaper, I think, where you see a lot of people going in and getting their stuff. But yeah. It's just that when um, Rachel Ma here, who acted Tracy, I was going off to, my God, she went to Afghanistan of all places as a journalist. And all I can say is I admire her bravery. It's, yes. It's her Irish genes for sure. Yes. But she was looking for some clothing to wear. And I said, go up to Sydney Road, Brunswick, and then in Quebec, you'll find two. Large shops that cater for women, modest clothing. Modest clothing. Mm. So she clothed herself with an array of clothing from there. I just find it very interesting. I remember, well, you know, that how there were so many, these women, for this style of clothing, of modest clothing, yes. that you have two shops in that area. Oh, yes, yes. And I, they do good business as far as I can see. Some of, some of the clothing is a little bit... Bright for me, but I'm not a person who wears bright clothing. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm more of a Melbourne black sort of a person. Well, I'm sitting here in Melbourne yeah. black. This is what we wear. This is a Melbourne black. I'm glad to see that, 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 that yes, it's actually yes. got. Although uh, I have got a blue jumper on today, which is a you know a little touch of blue with the black. But uh, <laughs> just to be that slight difference, I tell you something that's slight difference. I wonder whether anyone's told Abbott about the Pope, the papal encyclical. That will be presented, or suppose, or could have been presented already at the Conference United conferences, where he talks about the the unprecedented destruction of the of our ecosystem, and uh, yes, and yes. he harangues, uh, he harangues like the lone haranguer, he harangues these people who world leaders who do not believe in climate change, and he says the climate change deniers are on the level of a six-year-old child. Um, I wonder whether he's told his uh, d- devoted layperson, the Prime Minister of Australia, that. Well, I'm wondering when he goes... I don't know whether he goes to Mass every morning um, or not, but one would think that perhaps the priest might be letting the congregation know what the, uh, what the, pope. the good Pope has been saying. Mm. Um but uh, whether Mr Abbott is, actually listens or whether he closes his ears at that point, I don't know. But I suspect he closes his ears. Yes, I, I had a look at the, um, the, the the magazine that printed this sort of leaked thing. And I'm not sure how leaked leaked is. I mean, leaked, leaked is bad <laughs> enough saying something's leaked in Australia. I think yes. initially it means that they're banging on your door saying, please read this. Yes. But I read it in the actual magazine and I had to sit with the dictionary and it would to, to find out all these words that he was calling climate change deniers. <laughs> and it went on a lot. It was in great detail. It's um, In case you want the magazine reader, it's um, L'Espresso, like espresso coffee, L'Espresso. The it means in short, I suppose. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah, the brief, like basically. It's the brief, yes. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm sure... You'd find it on Google if you looked for it, L apostrophe Espresso. And it's an interesting magazine and they have some interesting... It's not... Um, it's mainstream. It's mainstream. It's not sort of left-wing, but it's not right-wing. It's mainstream, so it's pretty well in the middle of of the right. But it has some interesting stories on uh, things that the Pope says and how the people of Italy treat the migrants who arrive... the refugees who arrive on their shores... And how they're working with um, the people of Spain now and yes. 
the people of Turkey as yes. well. Turkey. Can you imagine being a refugee and fleeing to Turkey? Turkey. Yes. Was, what are you going to do when you get Wouldn't be my choice. <laughs> I've been there and there's some lovely things there, but... Uh, I um, I don't think I'd go there as a first instance as a refugee, although the poor old Syrians are jumping the fence trying to get in there, but getting away from ISIS. But uh, yeah, well, they don't have to get in the war to do that. They can, can't they? Just cross over? They, yes, yeah, they but can they, walk. Yes, except that they've got soldiers on the border there, so oh. it's very difficult for them to get over the fence these days. Yeah, mm. I I just only know that vaguely because of the Second Crusade. I remember reading about some people yes, who'd ridden, yes. they'd ridden all the way. I thought, how can you ride all the way to bloody Jerusalem from France? But of course you can. Yes. You, if, like, you it can, takes you, you a long can. time. Yes, yes it, it possible. Would. And yes. when you say Turkey, I am in um, the World Book of DNA, you know, the human genome system mapping that was done, yes. done about about 25 years ago by, of course, an Icelandic institute, people there who have much more desire and reason to know more about your DNA than anyone else. We're looking at an island of a quarter of one million people who were cut off for 800 years from the rest of the world. They know all about how you check your ancestry and things like that. But, of course, I'm in that thing, and it turned out, you know, about there are six mothers in the world, six... Uh, females, no. uh, sort basics. of hominids that became. There were six who became. You can trace yourself back oh, to one back of these to, six. Oh, really? Six yeah. Um, mothers. Yeah. Yes. It's news to me. Yeah, that's that's where you're all because you're always. Well, they've track, been busy, haven't they? Yes, you can track um, <laughs> the matrilineal. Yes. Oh, DNA, okay. Yes. Wow. So, and so, where well, did yours go back well, to? Well, the mitochondrial. I went back to a place called Cappadocia, and I, was, oh, and I thought, "Where's Cappadocia?" It's, and look, it's Turkey. Turkey. <laughs> I thought, "I'm a Turk." Oh, those Turks! Well, it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. It is. No. Well, Ataturk was. Well, he was good. I'll, yeah. Yeah, There's I'll lots of Ataturk. pictures of Ataturk around there. But, of course, I was Turkish 6,000 years or so ago. So oh, were you? So really, it's sort of been bred out of you a little bit. Well, not, not really. They've, they've actually kept so much. They kept a lot of there because they didn't go through Europe to get over to England or Ireland. Ah, they went through they the Mediterranean, through the Straits of Gibraltar, through the Gates of Hercules, and up on the west coast of Ireland, the west coast of oh. England. And up to the northwest coast of um, sort of Scotland, there, and you find a lot of them in Wales. Oh, okay. Still left in Wales. That's interesting. Yes. So I've got some cousins six thousand years removed in Wales, and possibly still some in Turkey. <laughs> so hi there, maybe at a Turks relation. A Glenn, our resident historian, his and her story was going on about being related to Edward Fitzgerald. Big deal. Who's Edward Fitzgerald? Oh, an Irishman. Some Irish bloke. Yeah, some some. <laughs> In the 19th century, but I think he was more what we'd call Anglo-Irish. Oh, well, I only know that I've got my, a maternal side. I've got a grandmother who, well, she's not here with us now, but German, mm. and an Irish grandfather. So, At one stage up until 1990, I think it was, but that this, but people living in Australia were one-third Irish extraction, yes. one-third German yes. extraction, and almost one-third of various places around England. Around this. So that's mm. so basically who we all were, apart from the people who owned the country, but their numbers were so small they weren't counted, and they weren't even counted anyway. I mean, who's going to count them? We yeah. know what their ancestry is. Yes. <laughs> 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 so, and but then there weren't enough. And they know who they are. There weren't enough. <laughs> no, we were just filling up with getting some numbers in from 
they Mediterranean, yes. which was Italy and Greece, and not and a tiny amount from what was called the Middle Europe. So wherever the hell Middle Europe is or was, mm. is it still called Europe? Well, yes. they change names all the time. I'm not. No, no, it's still called Europe. Still called Europe. <laughs> I just wondered. Well, it's been made easier, sort of, to travel around there because you have the euro, so you don't have to keep changing. And and as I, I know it's such a pest. They used to be able to look. I know when I was in Italy, something about my visa. I was actually overextending, and I was a bit sort of. Uh, yes, I won't tell anybody I overextended mine in yeah, but, but, yeah, Spain. But but, mm. but but the way you fix that is you catch a train out of Italy, you see. Into the former Austro-Hungarian <laughs> exactly. Empire, and then you just come back. Yes. You, go, you just yes. take. Yes. Well, I went across to Turkey, yep. and yeah, but it means that you get stamped and you're back in again. Yeah. And you got another six weeks or something. Well, but yes. But then I discovered no, it makes no difference now uh, because if you're all part of Europe. Well, Turkey's not part of the I'm European Union. It's no. been wanting to. And I went to Turkey, but now you can't just go over the border to France, which is a couple of hours from Barcelona, diving. Uh, really, you can't. You can't. Well, you used, to, you used to go into France before the Euro, yeah. before the European Euro, uh, Union, and you, because it's only a couple of hours, you can go to France and then then you come back in across the border into Spain. Yeah, you'd go and have but, a French lunch. Well, yes. Well, people. Let's go and have lunch in France. Yes. Well, that's what I I like that thought. And if yeah. you're up up the north part of Catalonia and Catechesque and places like that, because the Catalans extend into the south of France as well, so they speak Catalan on the other side. They're so pop over. funny people too, aren't they? They've got. Uh, they could even be related to someone like myself. The Catalans. Yeah. Yes, they're interesting. Um, they actually. Uh, want to separate themselves from the rest of Spain uh, because they're the richest province in Spain and uh, uh, they're very... Austerity's business. on at the moment, isn't it? Austerity's on in Spain. It's not having a good effect. And they've fortunately, they've now got a left... The left are starting to uh, win local elections. Uh, so they've got rid of the PP party, which is a very far-right conservative party. Uh, and so they've recent elections, they've, uh, they've got the left up. And so something might happen if they get enough. Something might happen. Uh, oops, it's 10 o'clock. Something might happen like it happened in Greece. <laughs> and it might too. And you know, you know what? You know what, Irene? It's time for us um, to, to go. We really have to get out of here. Sorry about that. Yes, I've been. It's but just we'll, my fault because I can't we'll stop. we'll go out in the same old way, dead struggle.